Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Good morning, church. And uh, obviously, it's Treasure Kids, time for you to go and get blessed in the word. All right. Why don't we pray for them? So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your children. We thank you, Father, for the Treasure Kids. We thank you. Thank you that, Lord God, they are blessings to our families. They are blessings to our communities. Father, as they go, Lord, we pray that you'll go ahead of them. Holy Spirit, be the one teaching them. Lord, touch their hearts. It is all about you, Jesus, and let them understand who you are. Let them be blessed as they stand today before you. Bless the teachers as well in Jesus' name. And Father, even as we are here this morning together as well at the foot of the cross, speak, O Lord God. And I pray that I will, Lord, hide behind the cross and that, Lord, you will speak to your people. That there will be no distraction. That will open the hearts. That, Lord, you will remove any kind of worries, anxieties, and stress and struggles. But that, Lord, your voice will be loud and clear. And that even as you speak to your people, Lord, there will be not only a sense of encouragement, there will be a sense that indeed you are truly who you say that you are. You are the resurrection and the life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So thank you and good morning for those of you who are also with us on KCTV. It's a bit long today. There will be a bit of reading. Um, let's delve into the Word of God. And as we are approaching Easter, you know, we are all excited about Easter coming up. We all already have plans. Some of the children had pancakes recently. They don't know pancakes is only for Easter. But hey-ho. You know, I was actually, uh, during the week, asked by my son, Daddy, we need pancakes. And I'm like, I don't have pancakes. You are telling me that just before bedtime. It's not going to work. Say, Daddy, I need pancakes. And he was very eager. And I'm like, okay, I have two things to do. That was the time at which Virgin stops, closes. And they were already closed. I'm like, okay, there is no way for the pancakes. So this morning, I'm like, I can't go to you to Tesco. I can't just run there. You know, you have to be at school the next day at 8 a.m. It was starting early. And so I dropped him at school the next day. He didn't have pancakes for breakfast. Quickly went, before going to work and connect. Quickly went, got pancakes, got some Nutella got some jam, brought it home. And in the day later, then I went to pick him up. And um, first thing, how are you? How was your day? Good, daddy. was good. Fine. All right. I've got a surprise for you. He's like, wow, what do you have? So I've got pancakes. And I thought he, was the, he will tell me, it's very precise, he will tell me, well, that was yesterday I wanted it. I wanted it for my breakfast. But that's not what he said. He was so excited. He was like, thank you, daddy. I got the biggest thanks of the day. All right. And that made my day. The trials of going to get pancakes when it's late. And he actually had it in the evening. Actually, not in the evening. As soon as he got home, Daddy, can I have my pancakes? I haven't actually showered yet. <laughs> okay, Daddy, I will do my shower. I'll take my homework and uh, can I have the pancakes? And he had them, so that's good. I had some as well. What am I saying to you is that God has for us much more. We might not see the timing. We not, might not realize the things that God does for us, for his children. He is actually a God who provides. We call him Jehovah Jireh. He is a God who is mindful of us. The Bible tells us clearly he's written us on the palms of his hands. And he actually knows the day that are allocated to us, you know. Um, he knows everything concerning us. The Bible says he's familiar with our ways. He's familiar with the way we go to bed, the way we wake up. He's familiar with the way we navigate life. The God that we call upon is a God that we have called to be our savior. And so when 
we look at the analogy of the pancake or the example of the pancake. Some of you might want more than pancakes. Amen? Cost of living crisis dictate that a pancake won't cut it, right? But we may want, we may have needs. And sometimes, you know, we don't see, like my son could not see. The dad had the heart to bless. The dad had the heart to support. My son could not see it. He asked. He didn't say quiet. He did ask. That's the first thing. He did ask. He asked knowing that the dad that loves him will want to bless him. He's doing the running club at the moment, so that's a bit of a trade-off. But God does not make any trade-off, okay? And so when you ask to God, what, where is your expectation level at? You know, God asked me to come today to bring that word around hope in God. Why I think it's important is not just that we do hope for the sake of hoping, but hoping in a God who never fails, hoping in a God who promises and he always comes to pass. The Bible says, really, truly, the God that we serve, with him the promises are yea and amen. Right, And many of us today, many of us in the days before, many of us are actually going through motions. We don't realize that God is with us, journeying with us. We don't realize how strong he is, how strong his hand is upholding us. We call those nearness. We call those, uh, you know, event, accident, you know. We call those troubles, trials. We call those temptation, challenges. God sees all things. God knows all things. There is nothing that surprises him concerning your life, concerning what goes around you, because he's there, you know. I love the fact that we always say, Emmanuel, God is always with there. And for me, this year has been even more of a revelation than before. That's why, sorry if it is a broken disc, and I'm not actually going to apologize too much, because it's something that God has shown to me. I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Cost of living crisis is not new. There's been inflation back in the days. There's been Christians still going and doing greater things. I've been in churches where, despite the cost of living crisis, elderly people raise up to 50,000 pounds for a project in the house. So God is the provider, amen. He's the provider, and he loves to provide for you. So it's true that you may look at your bill. You may look at your bank account. You may look at when you go to the fuel station, like I often do. I get annoyed. How come can I spend that much money on the tank? But actually, I don't spend that money, then I don't take my son to school, right? So let's not even detail about it. There are costs that will come that we'll have to see. There are costs that come with feeding the children, sending them to schooling, for you commuting to work, for you paying your mortgage and your bill. There are costs associated to it. God is mindful of our situation. He's mindful of what we go through. And today, I think it's very much the fact that we do need to open God. Take the sting out of the situation. Go back to where it matters because that's what God is calling us to do. And the same God that is calling us to do that and to trust in him is the God says that I want to bless you. You know, thank God for the choir and thank God for the way Emmanuel led that worship. Because we sang that song, we raise a hallelujah. I refuse to look behind me. I say, what kind of hallelujah am I going myself to raise to God? Because it doesn't matter the way we feel, the way we think, the way we see It doesn't matter why, because God is still on the throne. God is still in control, amen? And therefore, God expects hallelujah in the midst of our darkness and in the midst of our great season. He expects that hallelujah. Last last week, we heard about God qualifying as royal priesthood, right? God qualifying as a very special people to him. That's what we heard last week. And today, the same God who said, I've already qualified you as such because of my son, Jesus Christ, dying for you, is coming true for you. And we want to look at hope. I want to recall a specific story in the Bible. We'll read a lot, and I will try to just articulate clearly what it says. Can I actually have that bottle? Just sorry. This one, sorry. Apologies. 
Thank you. I think we just want to articulate what God says and, and focus on his word. Not the word of men, but the word that God has for you and I today. So I will invite you to open your Bible to the book of John. There is a bit of reading here today, please. So bear with me. And we want to look at a very peculiar story in the Bible. Um, many people who come to preach around Easter look at the story of Lazarus. We all know the story of Lazarus. Incidentally, you mentioned about the resurrection of God coming through, God coming to do things for us. Now, Lazarus and the story of Lazarus that we are going to look today is full of um, inspir- inspiring uh, truth. It is something that should actually teach us that God is the resurrection and the life. God is able to resurrect anything, any situation in our life. That's the God that we serve. And we can look at this situation and take heart from that situation. A situation that was hopeless and filled with hopelessness, tragedy, drama, pain, hurt. But the situation through which God came through because of his plans for us and because of who he is. Amen? Because of his plan for us and because of who he is. And sorry if you have read that story. I'm not, I'm not actually going to maybe preach it better than your previous preacher. But I believe that God has something for you today in that story. So if you are going to listen to me with the mind, I know that story. Please take a step back. Open your heart to what God will say. We read from chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not, is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha, he loved his, her sister, and he loved Lazarus. Verse 6, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciple, let us go to Judea again. Verse 8, the disciple said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. This he said after that. He said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciple then said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus has spoken of his death. But they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Therefore Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciple, let us also go so that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Please note that four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, 
my brother will not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, he will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary a sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with him, with her in the house, and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, Mary came where Jesus was. She saw him. She fell at his feet. She said to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, which we quote every time, Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the city, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound, hand, foot, with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him, let him go. Therefore, Many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he'd done believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus has done. Amen. May God bless the reading of his holy words. So this is the story that we are familiar with. And there is so much to unpick for that. I mean, you look at this, uh, you know, we could have actually more seasoned Bible teachers to come and break it down for us. But there are the truth that we need to take from it. It's a desperate situation, right? It starts with a very desperate situation. The opening is that of a man who is known by the Lord, by the way. He's known by the Lord. He's with his family, he's with his sister, living probably um, together in that village in Bethany. He is living in that village, and then the sisters are looking after him. But they see him sick. Probably what's happening is that his health is degrading. They could see how he's fading away. They could see how he's trying to hang on to things. And they're actually looking at him, and day by day they feel like, come on, this is not happening here. There's something worse there. You know, probably dreading that he will die. And they looked at him. Look at me. Those women are not faithless women. 
Those women are women who know Jesus Christ. They are women who have worshipped him. They are women who have understood who he was. Because we know this, because the Bible tells us so. There is indeed a story in the Bible around um, the book of Luke 7.38, where we know that all fourth, one of the sisters was there, coming indeed and worshipping God with her hair. Pouring expensive perfume on him as an act of worship because she knew she was a sinner. The Bible recalls she was a sinner. She waited and went into the house of Simon when he invited Jesus. And she came and wiped the feet with Jesus, Jesus uh, with her teeth and with her hair and gave it everything to Jesus. And Jesus saved her on that day saying she had shown more faith than the guest, the, 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 the person that was receiving Jesus, than Simon. And Jesus saved her. So she was saved. She was saved, but she was facing with her sister a situation that was very, very dire. A situation that was hopeless. They could see, you know, with their eyes on how a relative was decreasing, was getting weaker, probably shouting out of pain for something they couldn't understand. That's the situation that the text opens up onto. And so they actually, effectively, from verse 3, they do something which we should all do. They call out, they send to call out to the Lord for help. Now let me ask you a question. Who do we call out to when we are in trouble? What do we do when we are in trouble? What is the first SOS call? How is it directed? Is it directed to our spouse, our relatives, our friends, family, uh, people who we think can come and help? What do we do when a situation comes knocking at the door that is unprecedented, that is unexpected? Or sometimes we could see and then we are like, we are lost for word. Where is the SOS call directed to? Because those women are there. Both have the same reaction. There is only one number we do need to dial. It's the number of the Lord. We need to call him. They don't think about how far is he. And he was far. The Bible tells us that Jesus was the other side. Because exactly, he's actually fled the place where the Jews were trying to kill him. He was going away from that place where they were hoping to murder him. He was not in the vicinity of the village of Bethany. Actually, people recall when you do some research that he was about 30 to 35 miles away where Jesus was at that time from the village of Bethany. At that time, it's not that there is a Ferrari to take you there. There is no actually phone that you can do a FaceTime to say, Lord Jesus, can you take your FaceTime, please? There is no WhatsApp. There is no issue of, there is no network. They have to rely on Jesus Christ, the one that they've known to be their Lord and their Savior, the one that they've known to be their closest friend, and send the message. And there is a key word in that verse 3. And he says, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Well, it doesn't mean that Jesus only looks at those that he loves. But the him whom you love is very key there. Because the love that is talked about there is the one, other versions of the Bible say, the one that you are friends with. The one that you are close with. We are not talking about your agape love. God has agape love, irrespective of where you come from, because it's the selfless love of God. But he's coming about he that you are friend with. The one that you know intimately. Your friend Lazarus is suffering. They didn't say, come. They didn't say that. They know he'll come. But they call out for help to the King Jesus. They call out for help to the Master you know, sometimes people need to call out. We need to call out to other people. We need to call out for help. We need to call. There are some people that you will call in your life for support. There is something coming in your place. There is fire in the house. 
Maybe there is an issue with the children. Maybe there is an issue with the spouse. Maybe there is an issue with the boiler. We call out for help. And your friend will say always, you know, if anything, brother, call me. They are going missing. Excellence in going missing. You call them 24-7. You know what? In this country, there is something they call that calling charge. You know, call an emergency plumber. And they will tell you, when is it? It's a Sunday. Okay, I can come and help you, of course. It will cost you 200 pounds. That's the calling charge. And actually, my window is about eight, four to eight hours. The water is leaking. Eight, four to eight hours. Those friends, those relatives, those family that I say, I'm here for you. Not all of them, but many go missing. In the time of need, many go missing. In the difficult season, many go there is a term for this, a wall. They go a wall. It's apparently a term that is used also by the military, missing in action, deserting. That's what it means. There are people like this, and that's why we don't have our confidence in men. We love men. We love each other. We, we hope for the best. We try to be the brother's keepers and sister's keepers. But boy, oh boy, in the middle of the night, <laughs> in the middle of the day, when trouble comes, which will inevitably come, who can we call on to? I mean, I know that if I can't turn up to church today, I can call on Jerry, we'll come and preach. I can call on Danga, I can call on Emmanuel, I can call on Lee. Oh, sorry, Elder Lee celebrating his honeymoon. Oh, where are you, Lee? I think he's gone, um, anniversary, isn't it? Yes, anniversary. So we'll pray for him and patience. They are on honeymoon number 18. So I can't call on him today. I know he will be missing in action. But, you know, Jesus Christ never misses in action. He say, I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I don't go missing. And so that's why it is actually quite key that when we look at verse 4, Jesus comes and hears that. Remember, we do not know how many days it took the people to go from the village of Bethany to reach Jesus. We will know later that it's four days. But Jesus then sees the people coming. And then what the Bible tells us in verse 4, he says, he hears this. He doesn't hear diluted message. He hears the message as it is. In that message, he understands he's the one that he's friend with. Okay? And he says what? This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. So that the Son of God may be glorified by it. This is such a statement of Jesus, because I think, that's my reading, I'm not saying that I studied any other biblical, you know, um, write-up, but there is an element that I think there, Jesus shows his deity. Jesus at that point shows his divine nature. And many people who actually look at this scripture, we say, come on, Jesus there was a liar. Jesus there was somebody who didn't say the truth, because we know from the story that Lazarus ended up dying. We read from verse 14, and we know that actually, you know, he's breaking it to his disciple. He's not just asleep, he's dead. So Jesus there is saying he's not unto death. This situation is not unto death. But for the glory of God, so that, it, you know, his name will be glorified through it. And I think that's where I think we need to look at it very carefully. Because Jesus was talking about the outcome. He never talked about the interim step. He never talked about... What will happen immediately? He said, this is not. If I'm the Lord, if I know everything, if I see everything, if I'm the giver of life, this is not unto death. This will not destroy Lazarus because there is life. 
Because there is resurrection. Because the name of God will be glorified. Now let me ask you something again. In that very nasty situation, in your trial, your struggles, that situation that you are contending with, where you are seeking God for every day, where you are believing God for breakthrough, where do you think God is? Because it's still happening. Because some of us have been praying for years and for months, for days. Some of us are separating ourselves in fasting, in prayer, and in everything that we can do as a Christian discipline to make God budge. And it seems that he's gone missing. Is it possible that God is holding on so that his name be glorified in your life? Is it possible that you are not receiving because God wants you to bring a little bit more patience in the situation? To have a bit more reservation? To have a bit more faith? Not giving up? Not starting talking idly things? Not starting out of the flesh? Because these are not things of the flesh. These are things of the spirit. This is understanding who God is. This is having faith in the one who has promised. My promises are yes. They are amen. They are sealed in the name and the blood of Christ Jesus. So is it that the situation you are going through is just a trial? How much tension it is? How much difficult it is? How much hard it is? Is it possible that God will still navigate with you and will want you to say it is well? Hold on. Verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. And I think it's something that we shouldn't underestimate. It doesn't look like flashy as a statement. It doesn't look like it is something that many pastors will come and preach on it. But it is something that holds this story together. The love of Christ for us. The John 3.16 of this world. That we understand that God so loves us. God has a love that cannot actually be even explained by us. We have words and vocabulary that are not sufficient to explain how much he loves us, how much he cares for us, how much he is fond of us, and how much he goes to do anything that he can do and he could do to still rescue us, to bring us to him, to bring us to a relationship that is a long-lasting until he calls us back home. He loves each and every one of us. Even though we are going through stuff in life. Even though through the economy is bad. Even though there are challenges at work and in marriages and with the children and he loves us. And so I remember again with Exceed where a while back we looked at that topic and we, we delved deeper that what does it mean to understand every time that we are loved by God? Because then that should give us the satisfaction as Christians. You know, Walking our chest up. My God loves me. With a smile. With a joy. Yes, we have the priesthood. But knowing that God loves us is who we are. We are loved by Jesus. And so it is important. He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But guess what? <laughs> Verse 6 is almost like a contradiction of that. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. 
Jesus Christ, come on, why are you staying two days longer? If you say you love them, if you say Jesus Christ that you love them, why on earth are you staying two more days when there is an emergency situation? Think about the 24 hours plumber becoming a 72 hours turnaround. I mean, by the time your bed, your TV, everything, the cities is drawn. You know, there is no hope. The wood has started rotten, you know. Everything is in very, very despicable situation. You can call your insurance, send as many pictures as you want. You won't catch it. They'll tell you it was your responsibility to stop the water flowing through. You could have called another plumber. But it is a situation that is very, very difficult to understand. And it's something that actually many have jumped on to say, hey, hey, he's not really the one that says that he is. He's not the one who really loves you. He's not really, you know, he doesn't really care about you. That's what some will have you believe when you are in the midst of a difficult situation. You're not seeing God. He's not really the God that you say. I see you going on to church on Sunday. I see you worshiping him. I see you giving tithes and offering. I see you singing. But, you know what? Where is the God that you serve? Because the Bible says that the enemy is the accuser of the bread, and then he will continue to accuse. And if he does accuse us, he will also accuse Jesus. <laughs> but Jesus stayed there. Right? We don't know why. Now, when we look at a previous story in the same Bible, we understand that Jesus carried miracle after having fed the, uh, uh, the, the Samaritan woman, the story of the Samaritan woman. It is interesting to see how Jesus did whatever he needed to do. And he spoke to her. She was at the well. He spoke to her. And then she went back to the village telling people about how she met somebody who told her about a life that she was not only with one husband, she had five and, and so forth. And the villagers come and get to hear Jesus. Remember that Jesus stayed with them after that. He didn't run away. So the people came back and said, now because we had the chance to hear Jesus, we believe him not for what you've told us that he told you, but we believe because we've heard ourselves what he said. And the Bible recalls that Jesus stayed there two more days. If you read from that story, you'll see that the people stayed there about two more days. Why? Because Jesus is all about coming to do the Father's will. He's all about coming to do, to speak to people so that they can come and understand who God is. He is the best ambassador from the Father. And he wants people to understand that he is about the Father's business. That people understand. And that's why the villagers there say, because he stayed two more days and we had the chance to hear him. Then we believe for ourselves. And that was sealed because by the time they believe, no one will snatch it. They believe. And it's possible that it is the same situation in John 11 that he was actually around the previous story. That Jesus stayed there because he needed to stay there. I will also suggest to you something. I think Jesus stayed there also because he knew Lazarus was already dying. It is very, very possible. So why do we know that? We infer that 35 miles journey, that again, the people have to, have to walk, assuming they did it on the same day, and assuming that they still two more days for ministry from Jesus from the time the sister sent out for Lazarus very, feeling very badly. We come back and we see here around that Jesus said immediately when he speaks to the disciples, that our friend Lazarus, verse 11, our friend has fallen asleep. That's the all-knowing Jesus who has just received the news and breaking it to his disciple, and he's telling them we need to go. But he's telling them already that Lazarus has already fallen asleep. So he knows. So rushing won't cut it. He won't bring him back. 
Rushing will not heal the pain. Rushing won't completely remove the disease. And so, Jesus stayed there for two days in the place where he was. And when he says that to the disciple that he needs to go, then they argue. They argue, saying, well, you know what? You've been actually almost stunned over there. You know, you want to go back to that. Why do you want to go back? What it shows you is the fact that Jesus will not stop at anything to come and rescue us. He will not stop. And, 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 and also, as I said, the first point of this lesson is really that Jesus is never late. He says indeed that his timing is not our timing. Isaiah 55, 8, 9, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. The ways you think are not my ways. That's declared in the book of Isaiah. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than you. My thoughts than your thoughts. Remember at that point, as I said, Jesus shows his deity throughout these stories. He knows that as he hears the news, it's likely actually that Lazarus is dead. He knows it, but he's not working on our timing. So when you see your situation today, and you say, I've waited for 12 months, I've waited for 24 months, I've waited for three years. God's timing is not your timing. But the currency of engaging with God is always fit. Is always fit. We know from James not to expect to ask anything of God without fit. Because the Bible says, let not that person ever think, ever so slightly think, that I will compromise myself and change my word just to make you happy because of your lack of faith. So God's currency is faith. The time that you live, the time that we live, doesn't matter. Persist. Continue. Continue to be on your knees. Continue to believe in God. Not to waver. Not to give up. Not to say, oh, well, he never really promised because if he had, then I wouldn't be there. Second thing that we see there is the fact that obviously we should remain trusting in God no matter what. And you know what the enemy does sometimes is that he will increase the heat. He will increase the fire. He will increase the distracting elements around your life. He will actually try to make sure that your faith is no longer focused on where it needs to be focused on. Because it is the playbook. You see, I will tell you something as leaders, trustees of this church in this interim period. We call this an interim period. We call him, we call it, um, how do I say, crisis situation, if we want to call it that way. I don't think it's ever, ever meaningful enough. But one of the things is that going through a situation that we don't understand or we even feel as is unwelcome, okay, there are still a number of things to be done. And one of the things that we've seen is the fact that, okay, if you look at the snapshot of the congregation, the snapshot of the church, I'm talking about away from the Sunday. Sunday is all good, it's all nice. It should be. <laughs> I'm not saying it is. But away from the Sunday, there are so many things that need to be done and so many people running to do those things. Some of them are on their knees. Some of them are tired. Some of them are no longer having the oomph to carry on because they have done whatever they could. And sometimes it's for a season. And there are others who carry on. But in carrying on, there is an element of how long? Lord, I have been pushing, but I've been knocking. The door is still not opening. Well, God still say, still ask, still seek, still knock. He didn't tell you when the door will be opened. He didn't say when you will see. He said, do these things. Continue doing these things. Continue to have the same discipline. Even in that trying time. 
Because you are not the one determining the seasons. Because I can just do that and you get the solution. But what will he give you? If ultimately you do not grow your faith. If ultimately you do not put your hands to the plow. If you do not continue in those things. And God is very consistent. So because we have been going through this season, we understand that God has been with us. Because there's been miracles. Some of you have received miracles. And because it's not the expected thing, they believe it's not a miracle. But God has acted. That's what a miracle is. God has acted and he's given a breakthrough. Let me tell you a miracle that I received this week. Maybe we should do that every Sunday. What's the miracle that you guys have had last week? What's the testimony that you have come on Sunday with? Come on. How many people have a miracle testimony? They want to come and share? All right. No, no, I'm not going to call you. It's just to, to, to ask for the hands to be raised. So we all have testimonies. The first one is we are alive. Hallelujah. Ah, thank you. We are breathing. Amen. Good. That's a miracle. Who tell you that you should have been here today? What, what right do you have to think you should even be alive here? Right? But God has given us that. So it's a miracle that we are alive. So go and check in Addenbrooks. Go and check all this doctor having to sign off paper for people who have passed on. God has given us life and we have the lungs, the, the, the air in our lungs. And so we should be grateful. That's a miracle. Now, I have a miracle this week and that is an answer to a prayer. Should I tell you what it is? Yes? No? I will still share it. My son, him again, before half term, loses his coat. I'm not going to tell you the, the cost of the coat. It's expensive enough for me to worry and to get less hair. He loses it and leaves it at, leave it at school because it's fun to live at school. You know, you come from school, you have a jacket, you feel, where's your coat? Last day of term, you know, after, you know, daddy. Oh, I think he's in the music room or I think he's there. Where's your coat? Okay, you don't want to dress down before the friend, so you go home. Say, Lord, it's cold. I need my son to have his coat. So the argument is that when he goes back after half term, he will look for the coat for where he says it is. First day I come back, where's the coat? I didn't find the coat. And that's where the demeanor is like this. I didn't find the coat. Have you looked for everywhere? Yes, daddy. Okay. So, mommy, because that's the thing, you know, that's the sequence of events. You do FaceTime. I have to break the bad news now to the boss. <laughs> mommy, I haven't found the coat. And the boss say, go and speak again to the school. And I'm like, I need to speak to my manager. I haven't got time to go and speak to the school for a code that he should have had. Daddy, be quiet. Don't worry. So go and speak to the school. The school says, safeguarding policy. You can't come and within the vicinity, you stay there. You know, we can't allow you in. Say, can you do something? We need the court. The school helped us. They accommodated us. They even put in the newsletter. So and so has lost this court. Please, parents, can you actually check out the court? I say, thank you, Lord. That's the best school ever. And so, but we did something at home. That following weekend, it was cold. You get up to school at 8 a.m., it's 3 degrees. You know, it's cold. I have to worry at home, doing my work. Are you sneezing? Do you want a cup of something? Are you no, I, I can't do that. So I need the coat to turn up. And I go, oh, my wife comes back. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, please give the coat back. <laughs> Make somebody see that coat, Lord. There is a name tag on it. One week, the coat doesn't turn up. So every time, Daddy, can you put the heater on the car? I'm thinking, where is your coat? And I, yes, Richard, I will put it on. Every single day of the week. And it finally happened that two days ago, the coat turned up. 
You know what? King's Church Cambridge is approaching for a code that turned up. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is that he gave a relief. And we have to teach our angels that when you ask God something, you've got to wait. When you ask God something, you don't turn the tap off from your faith. You trust God until the end. God is proven right from existence. He doesn't need anything, but the prayer of the righteous avails much. And if you ask for something as small as a coat, I'm sure some of you could have blessed us with so many coats. That's not the issue. Even as something I told mommy, maybe we should, that one, I fear for that. Maybe we should go and buy a coat. She said, no, no, let's ask again. And so there is perseverance. Because God wants you to persevere in that moment where things are the hardest. He wants you to press on because he still has the solution. We talked about Daniel before. We know the things that are happening behind the scenes. We know that people, the enemy, are contending against your blessing. But God still wants to bless us, and he has plans for us. We want to go back to the story and understand that away from that, there is a very big lesson to learn again. So lesson number two that we learn from that story is the fact that we should call on him. We should call on him because nothing is impossible for God. And when they called to Jesus by sending people out, they sent trusted people, probably relatives, to say, go and speak to Jesus. And Jesus knows that God is going to be glorified. He knows that nothing is impossible for him. But I will tell you something that Jesus really wanted to do. When he tells his disciple, verse 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so as to awaken him out of sleep. Then 14, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sake, that's 15, that I was not there, so that you may believe. Hold on a minute. Why do you tell Jesus to your disciple in verse 15 that he is glad, you are glad that they were not there so that they may believe? Are you saying that the 12 who have been following you, who have been seeing you doing the miracles of Canaan, who have been seeing you doing signs and wonders and miracles, leading blind men and doing all the things, are you saying that they are still there not believing? Is it really what it is about? Because Jesus said that you may believe. I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. In other words, companions, we've been journeying. We've been in ministry. We've been at King's Church and looking at God doing signs and wonders. But you still lack belief that God is in the room. You still lack belief that God can do. You still lack belief that God is able to do all things. Or you still lack belief in your prayers. What kind of prayers are we then saying to God? He tells the disciple, I'm glad that I wasn't there, so that you may believe. And I think that's where he pushes it. They believe and they have seen him healing people. This is not the level of illness. This is the level of resurrecting dead situation. You push 1,500 miles more. You push harder to say, you've seen people be healed. You are going to see people being raised. Different ball game. And I, who give life, can resurrect life. And if I'm telling you that, and you are with me, you will take it for lightly. But I also want you now to know Easter is coming. So when I'm not in the room, you will know that after three days, when they say it's risen, and somebody said, no, the soldiers have taken him, you know that indeed God resurrected me. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about, oh, you lack belief. No, 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 no. You will be in a situation where in your life I will be taken and people will lie about everything I've done. They will try to kill the message of the gospel. They will try to kill my incidents. And you will need to remember what you have seen with Lazarus. 
that you may believe that I have indeed been resurrected by the Father. That's what he's talking about. And so it is actually a completely different thing. So he knows that he will need to go there. Lazarus is dead, verse 14. I'm glad for your sakes. You know, we need to believe Christ every time. And even when we call on him, we need to believe. We need to believe. It is so, so important. The word that we speak, they carry weight. But we can do ourselves nothing. Out of our own, we can't do nothing. We have to rely and depend on the Holy Spirit of God. And sometimes, as opposed to be entitled when we go to God, let's remember to say, Lord, please, if it will, if you will, please, Lord, look at this situation. Please, Lord, bring a breakthrough. Please, Lord, bring restoration. Are there relationships around you that you want God to restore? He can. He's able to do so. The Bible tells us that his hand is not shortened. He can. And so when we pray, we must believe. The Bible says, approach God and believe who he is. Those who come to him must believe that he is God, that he is the rewarder of our faith, that he is the rewarder of those that seek him diligently, not with people who call upon him that don't believe. Remember, in the same Bible, you see people, Jesus saying, he did not give himself to them because of their unbelief. He did not respond to their plea, show us, because of their unbelief. He said, the only sign you will ever see is the sign of Jonah, the serpent risen in the wilderness. Nothing else, because he knew their hearts. And so we should remain trusting in God no matter what. We should call upon him and remember that nothing is impossible for him. We need to remember his sovereignty. Psalm 135, 6 to 7, we read that. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. He does in heaven, he does it on earth, he does in the seas, he does in the deep. It, it is him who makes the cloud rise and the end of the earth. He's the one who makes lightning for the rain and brings forth the wind for his storehouses. God is able to bring in your storehouse. Right? Try me now and see. That's what the Bible says. If I will not replenish you, if I will not, you just give your tithe. You just give your offering. God sometimes calls us to simple obedience. See if I will not open the windows of heaven. That you will have plenty in abundance that you may not even be able to hold it. Cost of living crisis or not, God is able to do that. And so moving on, we know that God is sovereign over all things. Can you say all things? All things. Say to yourself, my God is sovereign over all things. Next point, and I will close soon. It is for his glory. You see, God said he will not give his glory to anyone. He will never give his glory to anyone. As ministers, as priests, as people that God used to his glory, he can use you. He, won't, he wants to use each and every one of us to demonstrate his power. But when those things happen, where does the glory go? Do we glorify ourselves or do we glorify God? Do we give him the greatest hallelujah? We say he does not even deserve it. So God is to be glorified. Psalm 115. He said, God glorify your name. 
Yes, your name alone be glorified, not ours. Not unto your name. Do not give glory unto our name. Give glory unto you. Do not give glory unto King's Church. Give glory unto your name in King's Church. Do not give glory to this ministry. Give glory unto what you do through this ministry. So that you alone, O God, be glorified. He says, you know, yours, for you are the one who loves us passionately. Again, love comes back at the center of God glorifying himself. You are faithful, you are true. Then we need to remember, and we think that every single time, that God's love never fails. And where you see it again, I started with that. Well, who do you think you are for God? Who do you think your family is for God? God loves you. God is mindful of you so deeply in love with you, and that never, never changes. He will not. And if we do remember that his love never fails, then we actually then focus on why he then even promised things to us in the first place. And my wife and I, we have been waiting for a number of years to actually move from where we were in Huntingdon. Now it may happen. Why? God has still gone ahead of us. Because there were people who have given us words in season, out of season. There were people who have been praying for us. The house fell, failed three times. Before COVID, after COVID, it failed. Various different reasons. And so it's okay, fine, we stay there. At the moment, she's up in Norfolk, I'm down in Cambridgeshire, and we manage that way. But we knew, because God has already said it is well, we knew that comes the time that he set aside, we will actually come back together as a family. And now there is a change of school. We could say it's the trigger. But those months that we had to wait, we had to have resilience, spiritual resilience. We have to ask God to come at the center even more. We had to actually say, okay, fine. Out of all our frustration in the weekend, we see looking around for houses and looking around for a new place. And it didn't happen. And when we think we have a deal agreed and things collapse at the last minute, we had to trust God. But he's still gone ahead because he knew that he will say, listen, in the appropriate time, in the appointed time, you will receive. And he's always accompanied if you do not lose heart. All right? So I want to encourage you today, family. Do not lose heart on anything. You have so many testimonies. I think Caroline and Tim actually, as I'm seeing you, you guys had your house the same time we were looking for house, right? Maybe you are more faithful than we are. Praise the Lord. But it's a beautiful story on the testimony, the, the testimony those guys have. Speak to them. The way God has done it for them. And if God does them, it for them, why will he not do it for us as well? He doesn't have to copy-paste. We are different people. They may have a level, and I'm not joking. They may have a level of faith in that time, or even now, that is greater than what. There's no shame in saying that. Where is our faith? Many times in the Bible we say, let it be done to him according to your faith. Where is your faith when you call out to God? And so it is important that we realize that. Psalm 136 Praise the Lord, his good, his love never fails. Second Corinthians one twenty, he says again that the promises are yea and amen. And so these are some of the lessons that I wanted us to look. I could actually look at the story of Lazarus a little bit more and think something. I will think very carefully about what Jesus did. Because Jesus did. He allowed Lazarus to die so that the power that he has over death, the power that Jesus Christ has over situation, any situation, the power of God will be at the forefront. That's why he allowed Lazarus to die. Jesus was never in doubt that he would resurrect it. But remember, the Bible says there were four days of waiting 
between him hearing and him being there. There were four days between the call of God. He said, yeah, it's not like a year for him. It can be a thousand days. It can be a thousand years. It can be ten thousand. He said, call unto me. And I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things that you have no clue about. No clue about. You think God has blessed you? Think again. You think God loves you not? Think again. You think God cannot help you? Think again. And so Lazarus is not the one glorified. Lazarus ended up dying. Not on this occasion. Maybe a few years later. Because we all will die physically. But think about what this did for the disciples. Think about what did did for that what did this for Mary and and Martha and the community and the purpose for which they come. Think about what he did in terms of sealing the understanding in the heart of the people of the power of God. It's priceless. And I want you today to realize this. Even as we go, can I have the choir, please? Even as we go, even as we think again, I could go and. They have a little bit of Lazarus and the stench and, well, yes, our situation sometimes is stenchy. It smells bad. It's rotten. And sometimes, not because we want. I don't think that Lazarus wanted to die. I don't think the sisters wanted him to die. I don't think Christ wanted him to die. But sometimes we face things that really are horrible and we have no answer. No, that's not true. We have God. And the answer is of God. And we ought to continue to pray because we should hope in God. I want to open my Bible and I will, I think, look at it from the scripture of Psalm 131, verse 3. If we can have it and stand up, please. Psalm 131, verse 3. Until the team brings it, I will read it for you. He says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. Say, from this time forth and forever. Now that's what I'm saying to you. King's Church, hope in the Lord. In this season, in the next season. King's Church, hope in the Lord, whether it is good or whether it is bad. King's Church, know this. The Lord that you serve has allowed that situation to come true. Not necessarily that he's wanted, but he's allowed the situation to come true. And what he's saying to his people is that I am is with you. What he's saying is that I'm still in the midst of you and I still move and I still breathe and I still shape and I still transform and I still restore. What he's saying is that, listen, I return you. You are there. I wake up. I'm about everything that you do. I breathe life into your life. I bring hope afresh in you. I'm there to, do, to be the restorer. I'm not there to just be with a bucket carrying your tears. You've got to bring everything onto me. Humbly adoring me, trusting me for who I am because I can and I will 
because nothing is impossible for me. And he said the seasons sometimes are there to transform us. The seasons, ask the book, ask Ecclesiastes, they are there so that God could continue to shine through. Israel has been there, they've seen that, they've been on the highs and the lows. But he's telling them, hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord from today. Propose and decide to hope anew. With a difference. With a faith that is not limited to what you see. With the heart that yearns for God more day by day. This is the recipe. The recipe of being pleasing to the Almighty God. The recipe of priesthood. The recipe of godly success. Obey. Trust. Follow. Lean on Jesus. And if at all it's too hard, then come to him as dear children. And even out of the gibberish statement, let your feet rise. Because he will surely do it. I want us to, the choir is there, I want us to, to raise that hallelujah again in a minute. I want us to raise it prophetically speaking into our situation. God knows the health condition. He's seen the diagnosis that have come about. God knows and has heard the melancholy of your thinking. He's seen the despair of your heart and the situation. He's seen the bills piling up and I'm speaking also to people online. You've seen the reactions that you had and how the enemy is trying to blur your sight to the impossible nature of the things that you face. But for Jesus, but for Jesus, all things are possible. Lazarus is no exception. He is God's he needed and he could glorify himself through that situation. He can glorify himself in your situation if you let him be. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes we would love you to leave us some feedback God bless and goodbye